the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Let's Talk Adoption, Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'm your host for today, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. Uh, each week for our show, we'll bring you lots of adoption professionals and authors, adoptive parents, and just people that have been touched by adoption. This week, adoption professional Mari Real Era is a guardian trustee for Sonics Reunion Registry, and she's going to join us to help us as adoptees and birth parents begin the search for birth parents and their birth children. This should be an informative show for even people that are considering adoption on what it's like in the place of birth parents and adoptees um, going through a search. Um, welcome to the show, Murray. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us what your connection is with adoption. I know you're an author and you speak and you're well-known. Share with us a little bit more about you know, what your connection to adoption is. Well, the personal connection is that I'm both an adoptee and a birth parent. Wow. And um, I always wanted to know, remember when I was told I was adopted and when I was about 16 really began looking. And um, my adoptive parents were very supportive. Well, actually, my adoptive mother died when I was three. And my father remarried, but he was supportive and my stepmother was supportive. Mm -hmm. So... But back then, this was in the early 70s, mm-hmm. nobody knew what to do or how to do anything. Well, yeah, things have changed a lot, haven't they? Yeah, they sure have. So what did you do? Um, I just hooked up everywhere I could. I, I remember watching a movie uh, about somebody who searched and writing down the name of this organization <laughs> and called every major city in the country and couldn't find this organization. Of course, it was fictional. It was in a movie. <laughs> oh, and, that's just, and they didn't have Google back then. <laughs> nope. <laughs> they didn't have Google. Oh. And um, and then about um, maybe about ten months later, and I, at the time, my, uh, my ex-husband was a performer, and we traveled all over the country, mm-hmm. and I knew my birth name. So I would call everybody with that last name in every city we were in. So you looked through telephone books, searching. Mm-hmm. And at this age, you were how old at this point? You were 20? I was probably tw- uh, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And, um, th- and then I, when I was about 22, I think, I, uh, out of nowhere, got an invitation to the first meeting of OMA, Adoptees Liberty Movement mm-hmm. Association, in California. Mm-hmm. So this must have been about 1972, 73. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I went. I, I will tell you it was the scariest thing I had ever done Why? that day. Why was I, it scary? I don't know. I, I, I wish I did, but I look back and I know that I share this with other adoptees, that mm-hmm. thing of going to a first meeting or a first... And verbalizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I sat outside this church for the longest time watching other people go in and uh, finally got up the nerve to go in. Now, once I was in there, everything was fine, listened to other people, never had another problem, but that first time was very scary. Mm-hmm. And um, So much has changed now with open adoption, so a lot of times um, th- that fear is not there anymore, at least not to that level. I think so, too. I do hear, though, from adoptees and birth parents a lot that... Um, it was the first time they heard they could do something, or yeah. it was very scary to make the phone call. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think it's very deep. I think you grow up, as an adoptee, you grow up with not quite the acknowledgement of that, who that may make you be, or who you mm-hmm. might become if you know that information, or... It's that unknown, I guess, would be very yeah. frightening. And yeah, and it's always so. frightening. Unknowns are usually frightening mm-hmm. for us. So, and, so when you went, to, so you went to the Alma meeting, and and did you just feel like you were around other people that really understood? Or yes, yeah, I sure did, and I got involved right away. In fact, I I became their director of public education, and mm. and uh, stayed involved with them for a couple of years. Now, the the problem for me then was that I also had a daughter mm. who was very young, mm-hmm. and um, I felt compelled 
to make sure that her parents knew who I was if they needed me. And that was a birth child you had placed at what age? I was, I had just turned 18. Okay. And so she had, was it a closed adoption then or was it a... Oh, absolutely closed. closed. It was closed through Lutheran then. Social Service. And, mm-hmm. and at that time, there was just no discussion of yeah. anything else. So here you are, a, a, um, a birth daughter, and then a, and you've got a birth daughter and you're also an adoptee. Yeah. Um, in a closed adoption. So how did you go about making sure that, that those wishes were portrayed, you know, um, extended to the adoptive family? Um, well, you know, I tried everything. Mm-hmm. I contacted the agency, of course, and it happened to be the same agency for my adoption. Wow. And, um, and back then, nobody would forward a letter. Nobody would, you know, it was very different. And so I, I put my focus back on finding my own birth family. Mm-hmm. And um, I found them in 1975. I was um, I was no longer traveling like I had been, and I really, I actually what happened was I hooked into uh, found the woman who started the International Sound X Reunion Registry mm-hmm. through a mutual friend, and um, she started having me do particular things, and because I knew very unusual things about my birth family that my grandfather had had typhoid fever and. Mm-hmm you know, things that were reported communicable diseases, I actually... Now, you've got to remember I knew their names. Yes, right. You know, help. And, um, but I, I uh, finally wrote a letter to the state and asked for information on my grandfather who had had typhoid fever. I didn't know his first name. I just gave a last name. <laughs> and uh, a couple of weeks later, I got pages back about typhoid fever and all the people who had had it, and um, the doctor who had treated them. And it was a small town, so I called that doctor. He was deceased, but his wife remembered my family well because it was a small town. Well, isn't that amazing? So you really became your own detective back then because there was a lot of resources. Yes. Yeah. And and during that period of time, were those the type of things that they were having you do is just digging and digging? Yes. And and research and going deeper because a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah, and, and I want to get into because I know you've you from that point then you did write a book. Yeah, well, that's why I got tired of repeating myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's what happens to us that write books because people <laughs> ask you the same questions and you think, "Gosh, there's got to be a better way." Yeah. And of course, the internet wasn't back there, so you couldn't set a website up. No. And and, that was and it was the best way at the time to give mm-hmm. people some tools. Mm-hmm. And name of your book is uh, that book is the Adoption Search Book: Techniques for Tracing People. Okay. And um, and a lot of these books are still. Uh, we're going to mention your other books too. So uh, are available at. Um, Am- does Amazon have it or uh... Amazon, Barnes and Noble? Okay. They're uh, the all the online. Okay, super. So anybody looking, and we're going to give you some websites in just a little bit too. Okay. So you did this, and tell us what happened at that point. I um I, I my husband called, made the phone call for me, and throughout the whole search, I was looking for my mother. Mm-hmm. However, I kept coming up with my birth father, mm-hmm. and so that's who I had found. I knew that they had gotten married, but of course, at that point, I was 25, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, I didn't know if they were still married. I presumed that they wouldn't be, mm-hmm. and so my fa- my husband called my birth father. Mm-hmm. And he said to him, you know, are you Frank Leach from Todd County, Minnesota? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. And he said, um, I have somebody who would like to talk to you. Are you still married to Helen? And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. So I got on the phone. I told him who I was. All I said was what my birth name was. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, this is the happiest day of my life. Wow. That's amazing. And my mother wasn't there, so he had to go find her, and he mm-hmm. said, can we get together? And I had already booked flights. Mm-hmm. They were living in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So um, we missed the first plane, mm-hmm. <laughs> but wow. we got there. And it was very, um, it was frightening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll, it was very scary and very exciting. Mm-hmm. And how did your birth, your adoptive dad feel about this? Unfortunately, my adoptive dad died while I was searching, and he was the one I was the closest with. Mm-hmm. He had given me all the papers. He um, he was very worried I'd be hurt, mm-hmm. very worried I'd be hurt. 
and not wow. knowing how the outcome of it would be. And I think for people listening that are considering adoption now, because we have a lot of um, awaiting adoptive parents and people uh-huh. parenting right now, I think having that knowledge as a gift to your child and giving that knowledge, that information to your child if they want, is the one of the most loving gifts you can give. It is so much safer mm-hmm. than, go, than, than the feelings you have to go through yeah. going out with these unknowns. I think it comes back to really haunt the adoptive parents if they don't do that, but they've got to have a peace about it. And that's yeah. why it's important that they hear shows like this because I want them to, I want everybody. I know for me, I had to go through a complete educational process to uh-huh. learn, uh, unlearn what I had learned about adoption and realize what's the best interest of my son and my daughter and make sure that that is in place. And I think that was really important to us um, and important to them. Do they know it's there if they want it? Was that hard for you? Uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, at the very beginning, I was afraid people would judge me because I couldn't have a child. Um, and um, the questions were awkward at times, but it really strengthened me, and I have a very unusual first name spelling everything, so I'd always have to kind of defend myself anyway. People thought I was a boy, <laughs> so, uh, and not my parents, but just my name, and I was, you know, and things like that, so I had to get kind of tough and, and being the oldest child, but um, I think for me, I wanted the best for my children, and I mm-hmm. wanted to honor my birth mother and uh, my son's birth mother and the birth families on both sides, because without them and their approval, um, I would not be a mommy. And so I want to keep that. So what I've done is, is kept uh, journals and books and photographs and all the oh. letters and all the envelopes and all the, um, the prescriptions that my, my, birth, uh, my son's birth mother had with his uh, original name. And I've kept their family names as part of their name. So they what both have What an incredible gift. And I think it's important that we do that because um, they have the freedom then. They still have a, they have a history. And so yes. I think... For me, and I'm just going to jump in here, I went to uh, festivals when they were babies of their heritage and gathered musical instruments and books and toys and history and flags of their countries. So they have that to see where they're from and what it's like, and I think that's important. So that we, you have all this stuff if you decide to search, if they decide to search. So it'll fit this. Mary, we're going to take a little bit of a um, break here. We come back. I have so many more questions for you about your <laughs> okay. reunion. So. Don't touch that mouse, people. We'll be right back. Just sitting around on a fine, fine day. I like the way you make me feel. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. Hi, I'm Jack Canfield, the best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series and also my new book, The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Make sure you tune in this Thursday to hear me talk about The Success Principles at 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America. Are you feeling overwhelmed in your daily life, unfulfilled in your relationships, unsuccessful in your career? Let's talk about it with marriage and family therapist Patrick L. Healy. Heard live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Patrick and some of today's top professionals will address your most important and pressing personal issues, helping you break down barriers as you discover how to have a happier, more fulfilling life. So if you're looking for real solutions in your life, let's talk about it with marriage and family therapist Patrick L. Healy. Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. 
Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, today we're speaking and talking about adoption search reunion with adoption professional Mari Riera, and she has got quite a few books out. During break, we were sharing some of her books, and, um, you know, it's a good time for you to share some of the titles of your books so that if people want to put that down, and let's get the correct spelling of your name, too, um, so they can look for that, and you can go ahead and, and Google it. You can go to our website also, and um, let's share the website where they can find out more about you too. Okay. The um, well, we'll start with the website. Mm-hmm. The website for the International Soundex Reunion Registry mm-hmm. is isrr.net, and um, all the, there's a whole list of adoption books on there. That if they want to just go there That's and perfect. click on what they're interested in, it'll take them to Amazon or places they can buy them. Okay. So they're all in one them. place. Yeah. yeah, they're all in one place. Um, they can find them on Amazon. They can find them on Barnes & Noble, almost any, you know, Internet okay. uh, seller. And on, on ISSR. Um, ISRR. ISRR. Okay, let's make sure we get that down correctly. <laughs> um, that they, they can find lots of information regarding how to start a search. Uh, yeah, the the um we this the registry does not do search. We're a mutual consent reunion registry. Mm-hmm. And so both people have to register here. Now okay. we do oh easily a match a day here. So No this, kidding. Yeah, it's been here since 1975. Mm-hmm. And uh was started by the woman I told you who helped me mm-hmm. search and she um died in 1990 and mm-hmm. her husband continued it and then I guess about three years ago, uh, I came up so he could retire. Well, that's good. So, Mar, who who can register? um, um, Anyone involved in uh, family separation. So they could be um, separated by divorce or uh, abandonment or adoption. So, but it must be the people. Now, an adoptive parent can register for their minor child. When the child becomes an adult, they need to register for themselves. Okay, and that was my other question, too. So, uh-huh. you, so and um, one of the things we have a lot of here is siblings, mm-hmm. you know, birth siblings who know their parents had another child, mm-hmm. um, aunts, grandparents, you know, mm-hmm. extended birth family members, where especially where uh, one of the birth parents is deceased. Right, um, and the family may not know or be allowed by the state to um, register with a state registry, or an agency may not want to put them in their file because they weren't a client. Right, and so that's one way they can do. Because I know we get a lot of emails from family relatives, mm-hmm. and they they want to make some contact. Like I said, siblings are very it's very important. Is there a cost involved with this? Um, no. The okay. registry is free. We no function kidding. entirely on contributions, always mm-hmm. have, That's, always will. And how about if you're out of the country? We have people that listen from all over the world. Yes, and we get registrations from everywhere. One of the, one of the um, uh, kind of large things over the last, well, since the Russia divided, is mm-hmm. we get all kinds of them from Russia. Mm-hmm. And um, military, you mentioned during the break, you have a lot of military. Big, yeah, a lot of military. You know, a lot of children were born on bases around mm-hmm. the world. Right. And um, uh, and a lot of people adopted children from other countries. Mm-hmm. So obviously in this, you know, era, we have a lot of Korea and Vietnam and, and um, uh, all of the European countries. What is the minimum information you need? I mean, I've had women showed up my home... Uh, one particular woman and a couple others with just a shoebox with a few things in there. What do they need to get started? One of the things we've found is people almost always say, I don't have anything. And we mm-hmm. ask them a few questions, and they have almost always more than they think. Mm-hmm. But this is what we need. We need a date of birth mm-hmm. and a place of birth. Okay. Everything else is extra. Okay. 
Okay. Now, sometimes siblings may know a year, but not an exact date. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll accept that registration because if they're providing names and the, you know, or other information, um, the adoptee may provide those names, and so, we can still do so the. So, if you said, "I believe I have a sibling that was born in Philadelphia," mm-hmm. and uh, it was in, I was as a winter winter month. Yeah, um, say nineteen sixty four. Yeah, okay. and my my mother has red hair, and uh huh. And her name is because mm-hmm. she knows her name, yes, of course. Okay, know. so that's yeah. that's plenty right there to start with. Yes. Okay. And as I say, we don't do search. We'll make referrals. There's mm-hmm. you know hundreds of search organizations around so, the country, and that's great if you'll make that too at that at your site, the um, isrr.net. Yes. And tell me, um, how what kind, you say you're doing matches every day? Um, mm-hmm. How do you contact people when there's been a connection there? Um, when we have registrations from two parties or more parties sometimes in a family, we call everyone. We start with the oldest registration, mm-hmm. and we have some that are 30 years old. Wow. And um, if the information on it isn't any longer current, mm-hmm. we beg people to keep us current, mm-hmm. um, then we do our best to locate them. If we can't locate them, we release the information to the other parties. Um, but we tell, we give, when people register with us, they sign that it can, the information can be released to the other party. Mm-hmm. And so we give people the information to call each other, and we call them both, and then we'll say, do you, you know, when do you want to talk? Most of the time it's now mm-hmm. <laughs> or tonight when I get home from work. And um, we just arrange with them what's going to work the best for them. That's wonderful because you know, a lot of people that um, that found out, and, and unfortunately, some people will find out from closed adoption. We're trying to see more and more of that that gap close from closed adoption, open adoption. But people that have found out later in life, they um, they were adopted and yeah. they weren't told as a child. Yeah. It comes as a great shock to them. And the and the resentment that we hear mm-hmm. if they speak pretty honestly, though they understand it, mm-hmm. they. They often express, how can I ever trust anyone? Mm-hmm. Because I, the people I trusted kept this huge secret from me. Right. Yeah. And what else did they hide and what else is not true? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember um, having a woman come to my home. She was a very successful um, real estate broker, and she had a closer practice. She was devastated because her mother had died, her father had died. She went to the safety deposit box and found adoption papers. Ugh. And there was nobody there in her family left other than some aunts that knew anything. And mm-hmm. she was devastated, and she just couldn't function. I thought, oh, what a waste. We don't need that. And it would be so nice if we had, uh, if people understood now before they adopted mm-hmm. a prior how important, and also birth parents, because I still get requests for closed adoptions. Um, oh, sure, still, sure. They're going to ask for that. And we like to leave it open for at least letters and photographs. Do you keep photographs on your registry at all? Well, we, we do. We really, um, everything right now is being scanned. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in this huge process for two years, and it's about a year and a half to two years more because we had, you know, uh, 250,000 active registrations that have to be done, back, wow. back registrations. That's huge. Yeah, it is. Um, so we do keep them. We really would prefer that we are not the depository for that, that mm-hmm. people set it up with, you know, a safety deposit box, mm-hmm. an attorney, and then notify us on their form that that's where information is, mm-hmm. you know, photos, that kind of thing. Because it, it's going to be um, uh, information that if someone did die mm-hmm. or couldn't be located, we can at least provide that for the information someone. exactly, and so we have yeah. backup. And you, you, you are basically run by donations. Then is that true? Absolutely, entirely run by donations. So now, if someone were to donate, they could go to your website. Um, is it, is it um, tax deductible? Or yes. Is it, okay. Yes, so we're a five hundred one c three. Let's give the phone number out if someone wants to call to. Um, sure, it's seven seven five eight eight two seven seven five five. Okay, and again, I'd like to give that at the end of the program. So if anybody missed the website or the phone number, um, we'll go ahead and share that again too. Do you find that women search for their birth parents more than men? Do you see? Yes, that? you do. Yes. And, and that's why. changed. Those statistics have changed a little over mm-hmm. the years, mm-hmm. um, maybe up to about ten percent. But yes, and men tend to search later. Hmm. So men search later, and why is that? So, do you have you ever done any research on that? No, 
No, we haven't. And I, though I've read other things, I really don't know. I can tell you that one male adoptee said to me, um, and I thought he searched pretty early. He was in his late twenties. Mm-hmm. But I said to him one day, "What, what triggered it for you?" And he looked at me and he said he didn't know. But any female that I'd ever asked yeah. had a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a baby. I got married. I something. It's interesting because I know that um, wherever it goes with you too, I probably I'm finding one out of five, one out of three people are touched by adoption. And sitting next to a, a lecture or sitting in a concert, I would mm-hmm. have the person next to me say, I haven't told anybody about this in years or 20 years, but I am birth mother and I placed a yeah. child or uh, I am adopted. Um, yeah. and, um, and then they'll kind of ask questions, but then I'll ask them, have you ever thought of searching? No, I've never thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of pose a question, well, how about if your birth mother's out there, birth father or siblings, would that, would that, you know, would that perk your interest? Because I'm thinking, gosh, it's only one-sided. Um, it would be um, interesting. It would be good for them to think about. It. So people, you can see their minds thinking. They look up in the air and they kind of look down. They kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they ask questions and then they go on. Um, but I never push anybody. But I, I want to give them some questions to think about. Yeah. Um, that maybe they well, have their environment about. may have never given them any support for those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, Annette Barron, who wrote uh, the Adoption Triangle, mm-hmm. always always used to say that the questions that adopted children ask are normal. Mm-hmm. Where did I come from? What's right. this? How's that? You know, kids ask questions. Right. And if the environment is uncomfortable with the particular questions that mm-hmm. any child would ask, but then in adoption there's some discomfort, Right. they learn not to ask. Mm-hmm. No kid wants to make, well, most kids don't want to make their parents uncomfortable. Right, right. And I think so, and I think if, they, if you tense up, and children pick that up. I mean, my kids yes. can tell by walking in the room if I'm in a good mood, a funny mood, or a, you know, not a very happy mood. Yeah. And I think children pick that up at an early age, too, when they ask questions. Um, you know, one of the absolute best things I ever, ever heard um, is um, an author whose name just escaped me. Um, one day on Oprah, she said, that she, it, she discovered that when her children entered the room, her eyes weren't lighting up. Mm. That instead, she was looking at was there? Did they have their muffler on and their mittens and their, mm-hmm. you know, was their mouth clean? And she, she, um, Tony Morrison, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, for the people we care about, our eyes ought to light up when they enter a room. That's right, and we're so blessed too. Um, and you're right, it's important. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more information to share with you. We'll be right back. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. I'm Marty Caldwell. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. 
Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Business. Sports. Religion. Legal. Pets. Entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, today we are speaking about adoption um, reunion searches um, with uh, a wonderful woman, um, Mari Rilera. Uh She has um, written some wonderful books and been involved with adoption as a, a birth mother and also as an adult adoptee and is um, working with a great organization. Um, Mari, go ahead and share the organization and your website again for people that have joined, joined us late. Sure. It's International Soundex Reunion Registry, and the website is isrr.net. And um, and the phone number is 775-882-7755. Great, because this is an important topic and for people later on, too. During the break, we were chatting just a little bit about um, how important it is for adoptive parents when your children are very young um, to have some information. Let's, let's go ahead and, and go back to that um, topic. Sure. What I was trying to comment on was you were talking about gathering all these things for your children from their culture and their background and just how incredibly important that those gifts are. Mm-hmm. And we have this kind of common understanding. I think it's our wonderful American ego that we think that if you're Portuguese and you adopt a child who is, say, half Colombian, you think that child becomes Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And they don't entirely. Mm-hmm. They get to have the advantage of that Portuguese environment, but they still carry with them that Colombian heritage. Right. And um, I, what I was telling you is I grew up in a Swedish household. My grandparents spoke Swedish, and... I didn't find out till I was, I don't know, 18, something like that, that I was um, Welsh, Irish, you know, other things, mm-hmm. and that I, I wasn't Swedish at all. Mm-hmm. I carry that Swedish stuff with me forever. I still make Swedish meatballs and lefse and hate lutefisk. And, mm-hmm. Well, that's Norwegian, but <laughs> there's... Part of, your, um, part of your heritage is, and, you know, it's interesting because yeah. I do, um, we bring up with children and different... Um, Dishes from from their background too, and some they like and some they hate. Yeah, and, and they hate uh, and Portuguese and and um, so my my uh, the food of my native family's country. Um, some of it they like and some they don't like at all. It's real interesting. Mm-hmm. So I like to share different things because I think it's very important. But I also find well, and that ethnicity is such a big issue yeah. here. You know, if a white family adopts a a, a black or half black child, mm-hmm. they think that makes the child white. You know, that child's experience in our culture, walking through their daily life, is not necessarily that. And I think it's important. I've mentioned that many times before. There's so many wonderful books out there about transracial adoption. Yeah. Because your family does become transracial then. Yes. It isn't just the child. Mm-hmm. The whole family becomes that. Exactly. And it's important to have dolls and role models and other friends. And um, I encourage families to... Um, you know, to adopt more than one child, in particular if they're a transracial, um, so that the child also is growing up with uh, other uh, children that look like them uh-huh. and have similar backgrounds as possible. Yeah, and that, that makes that, sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. What have you found when you've got um, you've got uh, more than one child in one family and they're searching, and one child has lots of information and the other does not? Um, <laughs> well, it depends. You can even have. Uh, several kids in a family and always have, you know, and have, a, say, a couple of them who are searching and one who do, just mm-hmm. doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that doesn't mean they might not care later You're right. in life. Um, but, yeah, there's a little bit of um, anxiety about what they don't know for those who have less. Mm-hmm. They, um, they sometimes feel deprived. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I think that's why it's nice to have some type of semi-open or open adoption because you have that paperwork. Anything, I encourage family. I know I have everything my 
my family, children's birth parents, gave them in writing, the envelopes, the stamps, yeah. everything. But, see, that's great. And yeah. with their handwriting, and so they could see the love they had in that letter, in that mm-hmm. envelope, in the documentation that was sent. Um, everything is real valuable to me, so I keep all that and hoard it for them because I think it's important for them to see, too, in their own handwriting. Well, and we unfortunately see real horror stories um, in terms of medical. Mm-hmm. You know, people who um, their life can be saved by having current medical information. Because someone who was, say, adopted 30 years ago and there's a medical file, that's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. You don't know what happened in that family. And, and with the new technology, we're finding out that people have um, you bet. A cancer and a strain of this. and So it's very important to keep that up, too. Yeah. What, um, you know, going back to your searches, um, mm-hmm. what's the quickest match you've ever had in, in, in your organization? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> within minutes of something arriving here. You know, it's um, in a normal turnaround time here would be somewhere between a week and two weeks because we get hundreds of registrations a day. Mm-hmm. So by the time they go, they, they're they taken in, everything's open. We're staffed primarily by volunteers, mm-hmm. and everything's open by the volunteers and processed. And by the time it's on the computer and the original, you know, the match, possible match is pulled, it usually takes about a week. But there are times that um, both of them come in at the same time, wow. you know, and you're going, wait a minute, I just read that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and amazing. so we've had them happen very, very quickly. With what we're doing here where everything is being scanned and will be, we will have a very different system, you know, as fast as we can do this. With as the I technology said, changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, can people it, submit that information online then, too, so they can fill in? They can't yet. That's um, It's basically in place to do. We just aren't prepared to make the transition yet. Mm-hmm. This, you know, because we're, we're dependent on contributions and volunteer time, mm-hmm. this is too. what bases how fast we can get stuff done. Right. So I think it's important that people realize that there's a need there for, for help in that particular area. Um, to keep these searches because I think they're important, especially for medical and just people that have a piece about it. Um, you know, when we know somebody that's, that's part of the adoption triad, um, what can people do to help? So you've got a friend. I, I, we get emails uh, like this. I've got a friend that's adopted, but they don't want to talk about it, and I think they should search. Or, um, or my niece um, is adopted, but she doesn't know it. Should I say something? How can you help people like that? Oh, boy. You know, I, I really... I'm always a believer that you're your own best counsel mm-hmm. in these things, that there is no rule, that if something's nagging at you, that you feel somebody needs to know something, examine if it's your need mm-hmm. or theirs. Mm-hmm. If it's your need, you might have to set it aside. Yeah. You know. But the other thing is, if you're the only resource for that information, write it down and put it away for them. Mm-hmm. Because Make sure die, they can have it if you're not there to give it to them. And that would go with aunts or grandparents or whatever it may be, too. Yeah. And and just writing it down and getting it on paper someplace safe, probably in two places, will help so that they have that later on in case something should happen to you. Well, and I really tell that to birth parents and adoptees, too. You know, in this day and age, if you don't know if you're ready to have contact, that doesn't mean you can't write down information and have it Mm -hmm. put away. Or even a letter. I think that would, yes. I think that's uh, that's really important too. Tell me um, the other question I have too. Do you have resources on your site um, that help people do the search? Because you don't do the search, but I, there are a lot of ex- very expensive services out there, and there's some that are affordable. Where do, where do people start when they want someone to help them? Yeah, we we utilize other resources to make referrals because we don't have the staff or the ability to police who's good, who charges too much or too mm-hmm. little, or you know, any of those things. But um, we utilize publications like the the Blue Book, which is no longer in print, and mm-hmm. we're actually in the process of updating that so that we can just put it online. And what's the so Blue people Book? Can just... What was that, the Blue Book? It was um, a list of uh, organizations and independent people who um, specialized in search. Um, all, it's all over the Internet. I really recommend that anybody who is going to pay someone mm-hmm. to do a search for them get um, recommendate, you know, get referrals, right. find out exactly what they're getting for their money, mm-hmm. and, um, 
and then don't feel at all awkward about holding to people to what they promise. Right. Even in an agreement, a written agreement, if you're going to pay. That would be perfect. I think it's important because your heartstrings are attached to this, not only your financial, but your heartstrings are attached to that, too. And, um, yeah. and, there, and check Better Business Bureau, Attorney General's Office, and Great. Google, and put someone's yeah. name in there and put lawsuit next to it and see if there's a lawsuit or a complaint about it when you Google um, that's a good way to do it. That's just a find, very good recommendation. It's a free thing you can do within moments. You'll have some information on post. And just realize everything you read on the Internet is not always true. Someone may yeah. have had a bad situation that's make a bad person out of that professional. Yeah. But it's good to see where the complaints are and see if they're legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most of the people who help people mm-hmm. are not, they, they're in business, business second. They got into this because they did their own searches or they cared about somebody who right. did a search. That's so important. With any, I know any professional you're working with, why are they involved? If mm-hmm. they are not connected to adoption, what drew them into that? Because if they're only there for money, it's not a really good place to go, I think, in most, most situations. In this kind of circumstance, mm-hmm. yes. Right. I mean, in a lawyer, if... <laughs> yes, there's some, there's some great attorneys that aren't attached to adoption or they have, they've seen passion in their families or friends and things. You bet. you bet. Uh, and same thing with... Um, you know, other adoption professionals, but you want to make sure they're in there because they have a passion for what they do. Well, and what you're saying holds true, whether you're adopting a kid and having, you know, someone help you mm-hmm. or whether you're searching for family. Right, right. The average cost, now, I know your, your program is free um, mm-hmm. with the Sonics. Um, it's, it's completely free to go ahead and submit the information. Um, are there any grants to help people, though, available if they're working to find searches? Do you know if there's anything? You know, I really don't know. I do know that almost everybody who ha- who does search uh, will help somebody who can't afford it. And I think that's, that's wonderful, too. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We've got a couple more questions, and then on to our adoption mailbag. We'll be right back. I like just sitting around. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Peter Towns. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. Stay on top of the latest developments which may affect your physical, emotional, and spiritual condition with Update on Health with Dr. Peter C. Tams every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Learn how some simple measures can reduce your chance of getting cancer by as much as 70%. Find out what you can do to combat obesity, diabetes type 2, high cholesterol, and more. It's all about vitality, fitness, endurance, and longevity. Listen to Update on Health every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Welcome back to the show. Before you leave, I want to share this. I have a few more questions for you regarding, um, you know, the search and process. But 
tell us, um, what changes have you seen in openness in the last 30 years? Um, On one hand, there have been a lot. People are willing to talk and deal with things very, very differently. This was a taboo subject 30 years ago, 35 years ago. On the other, I thought that we would have open records and open adoptions in every state without sealing records on adoptees, making them uh, different than every other citizen. Mm -hmm. And that has not happened. And open records in the states that have them are still controlled. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just that an adoptee who, as an equal citizen in my mind, mm-hmm. should be able to get their original certificate of birth simply by requesting it and paying the same amount of money everybody else does. Right. So those things have shocked me, mm-hmm. that they have not changed. And, you know, in the future, what would you like to see happen? I'd like absolutely across the board open records for any part of the adoption triad who asks asks for it. If you as an adoptive parent want any of the documents involved, you should have them. So many people uh, through the Lifetime Adoption Foundation, we have a scholarship program for women that have gone through an adoption plan and uh-huh. last um, since 1990. So they've gone through, you know, these are women that have placed some time ago. And one of the requirements is they have some adoption papers, and so many have nothing, absolutely nothing, uh-huh. uh, unless from memory. And it's so sad because they have to go back and get that. And uh-huh. how do they go? And, and I'd say over 50% of the women can't qualify because they don't have that paperwork. Oh, they're not giving so anything. And it is really yeah. sad and it's shocking. So I hope that this has changed a lot too. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And Thank you've you been for having me. Just wonderful. Let's go ahead and give your website one more time so if people want to go and get information on this wonderful free service. Um, okay, it's IS, like Sam, ISRR.net. Okay, so it's I is in Ivan, R is in Robert, and no, IS. IS, okay. <laughs> Sam, okay. I, yeah, I is in Ivan, S is in Sam, R is in Robert, R is in Robert.net. .net. <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on the show, and we'll be in touch with you soon. Keep up the good work, Mark. Thank you so much. And now to Adoption Mailbag, and we have got uh, all kinds of questions for you today. We'll get to a few of those, and we encourage you to send those in, too. Um, welcome to the show, Luann. Are you there? Hi, Marty. Yes, next week we have Karen Higgins with the gift of adoption. She's joining us to share with everyone how they can obtain funding for their adoption through grants. Great, and that is really important. So mm-hmm. do send your questions in early for that program um, because um, that will be something that I know that we'll get a lot of questions in and we'll be able to answer your questions on help to make adoption um, affordable um, for everybody, and um, that will be a great show too. Let's go ahead and go on to our first question, Luann, what you have. Okay, Marty, our first question is from Heather in Alabama. She asks, how much does it cost to adopt a Native American baby? Well, you know, um, it shouldn't cost you any more to adopt a Native American child um, um, versus any other infant of any other, um, you know, background. Um, Your attorney is going to charge a flat fee, and some of this information is coming from uh, attorney Jim Handy. Um, If your attorney charges a flat fee, the cost is the same. However, um, if more paperwork with a Native American adoption is needed, which you do have to notify the tribes, um, then they'll charge by the hour. And so that could generate a little bit more money. But basically, some attorneys specialize in Native American adoptions, as uh, Mr. Handy does, um, but uh, other attorneys don't want to do any of that paperwork. But it's not that difficult. Um, We've been working with Native American adoptions for many years, and um, in most cases, um, they're not that difficult if you know what you're doing and how to um, contact the tribes, and it can be done fairly quickly. So we work with Native Alaskans, Native Americans, and um, almost all the tribes. There are a few of them um, that do not allow adoptions, very few of them. And if anybody's interested in that, too, um, do tune in to our show about Native American adoptions. You'll find it on our Let's Talk Adoption show. There's much more information on that. So I hope that helps you. Heather. Okay, our next question is from Lisa in Kansas. She asks, I have a friend who is due in February who wants to place her child with another friend. What is the most inexpensive route for her to make this happen? Um, in Kansas, there are some excellent attorneys in there um, that you can go to um, AmericanAdoptionLaw.com and you can put in your information and they can see if they have a, a match for you in that state. Um, you can go ahead and have them contact a family law attorney uh, that specializes in adoption law. Um, I would recommend that you don't try to cut corners in too many areas because you want to make sure everything goes well. Uh, even though she's due in February and wants to place, she still has emotional needs that want to be taken care of, and you need to follow the law in your state. So a qualified adoption attorney um, with a family law background would help a lot. 
and I would encourage her to go ahead and start with that. And you can do a search on the Internet. You can go ahead and look in your telephone book. But make sure they have done this type of adoption and everyone is clear. You don't want someone that does probate law or does real estate law to handle this, but you do have to go through the legal channels to make sure this is a legal adoption and a qualified um, adoption attorney is very important on this. So, Lisa, I hope that helps you. Okay, our next question is from Moses and Dina from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. They ask, is it hard to adopt a child from Mexico? What is the best way for us to get started? Um, Moses and Dina, what you want to do is you want to find an agency um, that handles and works through Mexico. Guatemala was closed just recently. It's back open again. Um, You want someone that does this on a regular basis, and they have a good relationship with the um, um, contacts uh, that they have in Mexico. You don't want to go through someone that's never done a Mexican adoption. Um, Again, you can do a search. We have a number of guests that have been on the show that do adoptions from Guatemala and from um, uh, South America. Um, anybody you decide to work with, make sure they have a good reputation, that you have references, and you get a clear contract on what you can expect. Um, one of the best things you can do when you're doing an international adoption is to be sure that you do all your paperwork and follow the instructions of your adoption professional to make sure everything goes smoothly. Um, but I would go ahead and let you know that it isn't that difficult to adopt Mexico if you have the right adoption professional that does international adoption. Um, a qualified agency um, would be the best way to go on that that handles um, Mexican adoptions. Again, we have many of them that have been on the show. If you go back to Let's Talk Adoption and look over our list of guests, you'll see some on there. So I hope that helps you. And I think we have time for probably one more, Luann. Okay, Mary Ellen from New Jersey asks, are we able to adopt a child who lost their loved ones to the disaster in Indonesia? We're getting lots of questions, Mary Ellen, on this. And um, unfortunately, um, there are some some organizations trying to help expedite this, but many of the children that came out of this disaster are still not classified as orphans. Um, They've been misplaced with their, mismatched with their um, uh, birth family and many relatives are out of the country, so they have to be able to go through the proper channels. And the infrastructure is not set up yet um, because they're still dealing with this disaster to have these children um, freed for adoption. So I would encourage you to, um, you know, stay close to it. But there are so many other children in other countries um, that do need homes that I would encourage you to look at other countries of children that are very anxiously waiting um, you know, forever parents and have you look at those two with a qualified adoption professional. And I think that's it for this week. Luann, thank you so much, and um, I appreciate your assistance. Remember, our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. New Time Now, Pacific, and then 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern. And our program and guest information are listed on our site at letstalkadoption.com. You can sign up for our free newsletter and our reminder for Let's Talk Adoption by just emailing us at info at letstalkadoption.com or sign up just on the site. Thank you for joining us during this last hour. I hope you have found the show to be informative and helpful. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell with Let's Talk Adoption. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Tune in again next Tuesday right here on voiceamerica.com.